Hello and welcome to Upfront and Up to Date, folks. Um, this is a special, really special episode. It's with my great grandpa Thomas, who was in the Korean War, and he received a Purple Heart. Yeah, just listing off some accolades for for uh for him before he gets on. However, um, it's pre-recorded, but um, the first seven minutes I was sitting across the room from him, and so it's a little quieter, and it's like. You, it's to the point where you can't really hear it at all, so I decided to cut that out. It isn't, um, it was kind of just him beginning, but the rest of the stuff, so if, like, if it seems a little abrupt, like, when it begins, I apologize for that, but, yeah. Alright, here it is. Uh, uh, I lost it. I mean, we, we fought the first time he beat me, and it was a rematch, and I got a draw with him, and then I got a, uh, fought him again, because, the, the public by then demanded that they wanted to see uh, that Lamont Flash fight, and they paid me a little more money for those fights. I'd get 40 or $50 for a main event, and uh, I beat him. And so uh, the next guy I fought was a fellow by the name of uh, uh, Marty Marshall. Marty Marshall. And that was uh, in in Japan. Now, I'm jumping a little bit, but you need to kind of know a little bit about that. Uh, in Japan, uh, we were called the first, the third, the first Cav Division pulled out of Korea. And the last regiment to move back to Japan was mine, the 8th Cav Regiment. <coughs> Which is a regimental size outfit, and that there's there's uh, four there's four four battalions, sixteen there's sixteen battalions in a regiment. It's a pretty good size uh, unit, and uh, so whenever they pulled us back, they put me in uh, what's called TDY into special services. Now, that's not the special services that you hear about today. The special services that I was in was entertainment and athletics. And so I competed uh, as a, uh, in the track and field, uh, softball. And then uh, uh, we played a little football and with some interesting people. And then I participated in the, uh, as a fighter. I went uh, and uh, to the, uh, the, the tournament, uh, and I won the championship of the division, which is uh, a nice thing to have happen to you. And then right after that, they, we decided to go. They, they were having the Olympic tryouts in Sendai, Japan. So they flew us down to Sendai, Japan, for that tournament, and uh, the uh, 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 the guy that uh, oh, and the coach moved me up to the uh, uh, the light heavyweight division, which is a a few pounds heavier. Now he thought I I would do well at the light heavyweight division. As it turned out, uh, Marty Marshall would later become an outstanding professional fighter. 
but uh, he knocked the first four people uh, out that he fought, and two of them were from Bakersfield. One wasn't me, you know. Uh, so I fought him in the finals and lost to him, but he, he gave me a good whooping, I'll tell you that. I went, I went home with my tail between my legs, <laughs> but uh, when I found out that uh, he knocked out Chuck Wiggins, who was a good fighter, and then Louis Chelosi, who later became the manager of one of my, of uh, one of the restaurants we had. Uh, he was a big, tough guy, but uh, this guy was a pretty good fighter. Had a left hook that uh, uh, he floored me with. He'd come across the ring when the ring started. I mean, when the rang the bell and hit me with that left hook, and down I went. And uh, my trainer had said, watch his left hook. Well, I thought I was watching it, but it <laughs> wasn't watching it close enough. So uh, I got up, shook that off, and went the distance. But I lost. And, and then I came home uh, to uh, marry your, your grandma then. And he went on to, uh, in, in 19... I think it was 1956 or 57, he wrote a, he fought a guy named Sonny Liston. Ever hear that name? No. Sonny Liston was a heavyweight champion uh, of the world. Oh, wow. And uh, Marty Marshall broke his jaw and beat him in wow. one of his fights. So I was up against a pretty good uh, competitor. So that's a little bit of the fight thing. Now, now let me finish up the fight thing because it is important, son. I had, I, I fought 156 times and lost six. Uh, so, uh, and what maybe I was, should call them, I had a bout with her. Uh, maybe that was bout number 157 and I lost that. But, uh, we had, I was turned pro, <laughs> I, and uh, uh, I was fighting a guy in Hanford, California, and she and Mickey came uh, with John, Johnny Jones was fighting on that card too, because he fought all the time I did, but we used to fight a lot, not eat with each other, but I mean, we went, we traveled together, and we yeah. were just good friends, but. Uh, Johnny fought that night, and uh, uh, there was a lot of blood in the ring. None of it was mine, but that girl saw it, and that's the first prize fight, first and only prize fight she's ever seen in her life. Her mom and dad wouldn't let her even go to a ball game to watch me play ball. Uh, nonetheless, she didn't, uh, she wasn't allowed to come go to a ball fight stadium and see me fight uh, and I used to go fight on a Monday night and go to this church service after the fight and have a black eye or uh, <laughs> a broken nose but uh, anyway uh, fighting was a was a uh, here's, here's I lost that uh, she said Mr. Thomas it's either me 
was a fight game. I'm not going to sit still and let let you go get your brains knocked out. And so I made a, a very healthy decision. I quit that night. I gave my managers a, 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 the bad news, and and he wasn't very happy about that because he'd been uh, kind of grooming me for some bigger and better things. And I did get to fight on some cards with uh, Floyd Patterson, uh, Archie Moore, uh, Joe Walcott, uh, Rocky Marciano. Now, if you if you wanted to read about fighters, I've got a book over there that'll tell you about who those guys were. But I fought on the undercards is as an entry level pro, uh, and I fought some interesting folks. Uh, but uh, only had six pro fights, and one of those was a draw. Uh, Can we shut that door? Oh, yeah, let's do let's shut that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, I, uh, as a pro, I fought six times, and, uh, and, and drew one draw. In the five of my one, but so uh, fighting was pretty important to me because it allowed me to go on to high school uh, as the oldest boy of uh, farm workers. Most of them didn't finish high school in those days, uh, so I, 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 I was lucky enough to get that. All my brothers. Uh, except my baby brother, James Miles, whom you know, uh, quit somewhere about the freshman or sophomore year. Uh, actually, my brother Kenneth got thrown out of school. He wouldn't, they threw him out of school for fighting. So, so fighting runs in his family? I guess it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting uh, little thing about that, fighting, uh, uh, my brother and I, Kenneth, you never got to see him because he, he died about 25 years ago, son. Well, in, in 1997, so it's, it's 21 years ago, I'm sorry, 21 years ago. And uh, he was about six foot three and tough guy. But he fought me. We fought each other almost every day until... I was about 16 years old, and we had a fight there inside the house and tore up the house, and uh, my mother shamed us both, and we never had another crossword between us after that. But uh, he, 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 <laughs> he didn't lose very many fights, but I'll tell you, uh, and he'll tell you himself if he talked to you, that... Uh, he never was able to uh, beat me. Uh, I put the hurt on him. But anyway, we, we, we closed out uh, our friendship as one. He worked for me and my brother James for a lot of years, and he was a, a good, loyal brother. Uh, came to my defense a lot of times too quickly. But that, that's enough in the fight. Fight. Oh, I started to tell you, uh, 
Johnny Jones and I fought at the Hollywood Legion Stadium when we were in high school on a Saturday night. It was a big fight night down there on Saturday nights. And so our coach and truant officer uh, was watching the fights that night. And he saw a fellow by the name of Johnny Jones and Leon Thomas fight in the Hollywood Legion Stadium. So he called us in on Monday morning. He said, say, you boys got something you want to tell me about? And uh, I had no idea what he was talking about. I don't know. But what have we done? Well, he said, I'm going to, John and I both were on the track team at, at the Bakersfield High School. He says, first of all, I've got to uh, remove you from the track team because you got paid for fighting. And we don't allow that in, in high school athletics. If you get paid for something, you can't. You can't, you're not eligible to compete at the high school level. So he, he kicked Johnny and I off of the track team. Uh, and so we, we just kept fighting for the entire years we were in the high school. Uh, and yet we both fibbed about our age, lied. We didn't tell the truth. We, uh, you know, and uh, uh, my fight skills, son, were were uh, gathered up through uh, in the cotton fields in the labor camps from uh, Oklahoma to uh, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Because when you live in those labor camps, there, there was not everybody even had a radio. You'd have a, no, no television. And uh, so, Whenever you don't have much to do, you somebody finds a pair of boxing gloves and you and you start having fights. Uh, you know, not not knockdown, dragout fights, but yeah. boxing. So I learned to fight early in in life, and so did all my brothers. Uh, so anyway, that's the, that's the end of the the boxing thing. However, you, you may want to touch a little bit on that. Uh, uh, you you can ask the question that you like, uh, and then the next phase, which is a little more, uh, oh, let's say, uh, interesting to most people, and that would be the my service in Korea. We we landed uh, we in in the spring. Of 1951, we landed in uh, Tokyo, Japan, and uh, from Tokyo they sent us by train up to uh, down to Osaka, where we were outfitted in in a uh, in combat gear. They gave us a a uh, uh, rifle and all the gear we needed for combat, and boots and so forth. Gave us a couple of pairs of socks and told us now it's going to get cold over there so you've got to you got to learn to keep one piece of one pair of socks next to your body so they'll be dry and warm and the other one you wear and when you start to sweat take it off and let them dry against your body mm-hmm. uh, so we headed then we caught a, a ferry 
uh, there at Osaka when they took us to uh, Korea, a place called Yangdong Po. And that's where we landed, at Yangdong Po. And uh, we went to the 15th replacement company, uh, which was an infantry uh, <coughs> outfit. <coughs> so in the infantry, uh, let's say it was their job to, to make sure that people <laughs> got uh, uh, the personnel they needed to, to stay in, uh, in, in combat. And, and so the companies would come back there and get recruits. And I was headed to an infantry company as an infantry soldier, uh, much to my dismay. But uh, that's where God took over, I guess. Uh, and uh, because uh, they gave me an opportunity be, to become a medic. And uh, not just me, but there was probably half a dozen <coughs> guys. That they, <coughs> they gave us a, some kind of a IQ test. And uh, I, I love to read. Then I read more than I do now, but I did pretty well. So they, they put me in this class, and I, I was there for, I think, about three weeks. And then they shipped me out to the... To the uh, actually, I was assigned to the uh, the medical battalion, the medical company. It was called uh, anyway. It's a medical company for that furnished the medics to the line companies. Uh, so they sent me ultimately to Charlie Company when I became a medic there for the my full amount of time I was in the. In Korea, I was a medic for that land company. Now, uh, the uh, on the uh, uh, our first day, my first day was with Charlie Company. We were on a patrol, and uh, uh, the uh, I heard some gunshots down on the. To, the, to our left, I'm, and the, the medic usually brings up the tail end of the of the column when you're on a patrol. It's supposed to be the safe place for him. And uh, whenever they, I heard the gunshots, and just a minute or two, I heard someone yell "medic," and uh, and so I knew that they needed me. So I, without thinking, I jumped up and and. Uh, headed run running in the direction of that of that call for help and before I got to the guy they started shooting at me and I had a I had a red cross on my arm and a red cross on each side of my helmet clearly indicating that I was a medic yeah and they're not supposed to shoot medics so uh, my mama didn't raise too many fools so I when I got there, I got this guy on my shoulder. He was wounded, and I got him out of there because I knew if I stopped to treat his wound, they'd probably shoot me too. So I got him out of there, and you know, I did a little fancy footwork, and I was in 
good enough shape that I could run back up the hill with him and got him to a place where we could stop the bleeding and then we sent him back uh, to the aid station to get helped on. But from that day on, the Charlie Company people treated me pretty nice. And, and they did that to most medics, you know, because a medic was a sort of a, he was the doctor who kept things together. And uh, so they treated me as such. Now, so from there, Sonny got a little more hectic, the fighting. Uh, for instance, uh, on one hill, this was, I think it was in uh, September, uh, we were, uh, got overrun by the Chinese. And uh, uh, they just threw so many men at us that we don't know how many we killed because some of them got carried away and some of them limped away and died. But a lot of them, they fought until daylight and then, then they just retreated back down the hill. But they were, bodies were stacked up uh, three, four high where they run over each other. They try to get over the, we had a barbed wire perimeter around our, our area. And uh, these guys were dead laying on that wire and the, and the other guys were walking over them to get, try to get to us. So it was a pretty hectic night. And uh, uh, with all these uh, dead Chinese laying around, they brought us breakfast. It was called the Chogi Train. They had some South Koreans who brought it up on their backs and they fed us breakfast uh, right among all this dead people. So it's kind of a horrible way to do, but if you're, if you haven't eaten in a day, uh, and you're, you're 19 or 20 years old, you can eat like a horse. <laughs> yeah. So we, we ate and then, uh, uh, in that battle we captured a, it seemed like he was a, he was a high-ranking officer. I thought he was a ma not a major, but a, uh, a general, one-star general. And along with that, we caught, we captured a lot of maps and uh, things that helped us uh, learn some things about the Chinese enemy we were fighting. And we captured a few more prisoners and took them back to the rear. Uh, and then uh, after that, why uh, we had a uh, a little better time of it, but then uh, and, and then Hill Four Eighteen, there was another time that uh, we were uh, uh, we were fighting our way up this hill. It's a pretty good mountain area fighting way up there and uh, on the way up I one of the we saw a captain laying to the right of us on the just off the trail and it, his, he, his body was complete except for his head his head was gone I could see his captain bars so I didn't I knew he was dead so we didn't waste any time we just went on up the hill and uh, as we got up there uh, we had a, a 
break in communication with their air control. Uh, the planes came in and they strafed us as we were going up this hill to, to capture the hill. And uh, one of the first things that uh, they done was that, and they were shooting 40 caliber machine guns. Uh, uh, oh boy, that's his name. I know his name very well, but he lived just outside of Washington, D.C. And we went to see him much later to, to talk to him, but he was wounded and we didn't have any stretchers right handy, so we carried him off the hill in a poncho. You know what a poncho is? It's a raincoat. Mm -hmm. So we had someone carry the legs of the poncho and, and, and someone carry the arms of it, and that's how we got him down the hill. And uh, so we had, were probably somewhere around two or three miles from the forward aid station. So mm -hmm. me and this crew carried him back to the forward aid station because he needed some help real bad. I stopped the bleeding, or slowed it down anyway. So we we carried him back to the aid station and we got there somewhere around about dusk. And uh, uh, Lieutenant Binder was was my commanding officer at the at the aid station, and uh, so he said, "You guys hungry? Yeah, a little hungry. So we got us something to eat." And then they got this guy, put this guy. In, back over in the, where they could give him some help. And then he later sent him to a hospital ship off the, off the coast there. But uh, that night, uh, around about 10 o'clock at night, this was a dark night with no moon. And uh, uh, I, I was in a strange country that I'd never been in before. Mm -hmm. But uh, I told Binder, that I got to go back to my company. He said, no, no, you, you're not, you're going to stay here and go in the morning. I said, no, no, Lieutenant, I'm going tonight because someone may need me. And so I'm headed up there. And my, my, the fellows that helped me carry the, the guy down there, they wouldn't go back. They're all South Koreans and they just wouldn't, they wouldn't take that chance on, on getting back to the company area. What I did, I took, I, I have a pretty good sense of direction, so I headed up the same trail, and uh, where it gets a little interesting because there was a place where we kind of went off the trail and jumped up, and we started going almost straight up, and there was a ravine there that we waited, we, we waited around at at the, at the company level when we were going up the hill, but I was down in that in that ravine, and I smelled the strong odor of garlic. And I said, you know what? That means there's trouble. And then I heard them, the the, the Chinese, you know, they have a very distinct language mm -hmm. and it carries in a still night. So they were coming towards me. Uh, I didn't know how many and certainly didn't want to get caught. So I, I made my way up the hill and I laid as close to the ground as I could. Uh, where the creatures of the night would crawl in every crevice in your body, your ears and your eyes. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I laid very still. 
those guys came down uh, right below me. Now it's very dark, and and I didn't make a sound. So I I laid there and they talked and I couldn't tell what they were talking about, but they were probably talking about which way to go up. So they they went on a few uh, maybe another I don't know fifty or hundred yards, uh, hundred feet I guess, and uh, they made a left turn went up the hill. And I lay very still, uh, and I don't know how many there was, but there was a, uh, a, a perhaps a squad or, or a platoon. Don't know. Uh, I didn't want to <laughs> try to look at anything. And he went on up to the hill, and in about oh, 10 or 15 minutes, I heard the firefight begin up there. So they they had come up on our company uh, up there. And, I don't know how many of them they killed, but they shot. They shot a few of them, and the rest of them scattered, and, and they went home for the night. And then I stayed right where I was until it started to get daylight. And then I gathered my stuff together and uh, went on up the hill to where my guys were, and they saw me coming up the hill. And one of them challenged me, "Can you have a password that you give?" So I gave him the password. They said, "Doc." It's you. Come on over here. So I went over there, and then and then we had another. The, the enemy tried to hit us again the next night, and uh, uh, it was not as unpleasant as that, but it was an unpleasant experience. Uh, so it, and, and then uh, there was <coughs> another night. I got to go on a lot of patrols because <coughs> the other medic was a couple of years older me than me, and he wasn't in good shape physically. He was uh, in private life before he went in the service. He was a mortician, uh, worked at a mortuary, uh, and took care of dead people. Yeah. So I got to go on a lot of patrols. So this night. The company sent a squad out to do a uh, uh, look, set up a listing post, and our mission was to find out uh, if we could how many people uh, and 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 where they were, how many enemy and how many there were, and those were just estimates because sometimes if you have good ears and and you hear them making a lot of noise, you can estimate the number of people pretty close. So uh, these guys were coming to meet us on a trail on top of a mountain, and uh, I, we, someone smelled them before they got there, and the smell of the garlic, and then we could hear them barking. So we, there were six of us and me, a medic. There were seven all together. We fell off to the side of the trail, to our left, and. About ten foot down, we laid as close to the ground as we could, and uh, we picked another knife. And it was no moon because you don't want you want, you don't want much light whenever you're traveling on uh, the kind of mission that we were on. And uh, the same thing applied when, when you lay down. And the, uh, there's all kinds of creatures that crawl in those mountains at night. And uh, 
it's pretty difficult to be to lie completely still but it's very important that you learn the discipline to do that so we did and they passed on by us and we never heard from them anymore so we went on on after they passed but we went on to the north and set up a listing post and and we were able to give some information that that uh, uh, the, the company could use. How long are you guys going to talk? We've been well, talking for about 41 minutes so far. Uh, what I'm doing is giving him some homework. He's going to have to decide where, what direction he needs us to go. This is part one. we got part two to do some other time. <laughs> Well, uh, the uh, I think you'll probably want to, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of trying to give you an idea, and 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 I'll do whatever you want, uh, as long as it uh, doesn't get me in trouble with the squaw there. Uh, with what? <laughs> with you. Uh, Anyway, as long as I got the hangs. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what time is it up there? I, I, I can't see the time. 626. Huh? It's 627. Oh. Uh, I, uh, uh, got that where we were. Uh, but at 87, I do that. So, uh, now, there was uh, probably, let me just kind of skip over a lot of territory because. Uh, we can save that for next time. Okay. We'll save the next one. Now, now what I got, uh, see, if, are you, are you going to be able to post any papers, uh, any pictures or something like that that you. I can try, yeah. Okay. I've got some pictures that you, you might be interested in. All right. But the next session, uh, we'll, well, we'll cover uh, the ambush at Agot, North Korea. It probably where my life was uh, put in danger quite a few times, but that was a particularly dangerous uh, situation. So we'll, we'll just, let's do that. Let's wait and do it in session uh, number two. And you remind me that we're going to take up with Agot, Agot, North Korea. All right. And I've got you some. Uh, I'll, I'll, I've got you some set of pictures that are yours. And uh, and there's an article that uh, I, I I've got a, one of those articles here. Did I show you an article sometime back? Uh, the one where you were in the newspaper. Yes. Yes, we have that. Oh, oh good, good. Well, that's good to have because uh, that, because uh, I couldn't find my copy of it. But uh, the article that they talked about, son, uh, I never knew it was written. Actually, I didn't even know it was sent to the Bakersfield, California, until about, uh, well, it was late in. In 2017, I have the honor and privilege of serving as a president of the Kern Veterans Memorial Foundation. 
in as a president, I held board meetings and we would establish priority uh, priorities that we would, you know, like to make happen. And uh, so one morning we had a meeting set up at seven o'clock and uh, our board was there. All, all members of the board were there. And uh, uh, there was uh, Chuck, I think. Uh, Chuck was chairman of the board. Yeah, I think it was Chuck. And uh, Chuck says, uh, uh, Elon, we've got uh, something that you probably want to read. And he gave me a copy of that article that Wiley Jones had written to the Bakersfield, California in 1951. And uh, it was a kind of a revealing article. We didn't need to read that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, uh, and then I've got a little. I've got a. I'll fill in a little more information on that because while Wiley was taking, he was pretty busy right where we were. He didn't know as much as I got to know because I got called up to to treat a a guy that was wounded in the opening shots of that of that ambush, and I learned a little more about what had happened to us, but uh, we just walked into an ambush, and from there it got worse, but we'll do that next time. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for Certainly. having me. Uh, the honor is mine, son. Uh, we, we, uh, I, I understand now what what you 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 so you're going to use you're going to use what we were saying tonight. Well, that's the end of the interview. I well, it wasn't really an interview; it was more of just sitting down and talking. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun to do. I learned quite a bit, and I'm hoping I hope you guys had fun and, and enjoyed listening to that. Um, we I'm going to do another one with him, but. We're about as at the time of this recording, we're gonna be, uh, we're about to head out <clears throat> for my first actually my first ever around the world trip. I guess um, I know some of my listeners may we're gonna stop by their house in uh, Oklahoma, Missouri. Yeah, it's gonna be a big trip, and so I want to actually get. I have something special pre- prepared for you. Like, while we're on the road, there's something called, like, a video podcast. And I was thinking of doing some sights and sounds and stuff and do maybe a video podcast episode. I'm really excited for that. Um, But, yes, thank you all for listening. And stay tuned because there's going to be quite a bit of content coming your way. This is Andrew Anderson from Upfront and Up to Date. And I will see you later.